Welcome to Authors of the Pacific Northwest, where we connect authors with new listeners and provide advice to aspiring authors on the business of writing. I'm your host, Vicki J. Carter. So hi there, podcast listeners. Thank you so much for coming back to the Authors of the Pacific Northwest. And this week, I am have such a pleasure to introduce you to an author that I hunted down. I'll tell you guys a little story about how I got, how I found him. But um, first, let me introduce him. His name is Thomas Cohn-Stam. Did I get it right, Thomas? You got it. Perfect. Woohoo! Vicky did it right. So Thomas, <laughs> say hi to our listeners. <laughs> Hello, everybody. And uh, thanks so much, Vicky, for having me on. I really appreciate it. You bet, you bet. So listeners, you guys know that I absolutely love the Pacific Northwest, obviously, because I have a podcast that focuses on, on authors in the Pacific Northwest and how I found Thomas. So I went and hunted Thomas down. Um, I went to one of my favorite bookstores in the Pacific Northwest. There's a lot of them, but one that's very close to me is Powell's in Portland. And if you haven't been to Portland or Powell's, then you don't even know the experience. It's quite astonishing. Um, they always <laughs> they always have a Northwest section. So I go there often and I, I look up authors and that's how I found Thomas. So so Thomas, I revealed yeah. just a teeny bit about where you're from, right? So why don't you mm-hmm. introduce yourself to um, the listeners as far as what state in the Northwest you live in? Yeah, so I'm from Seattle, Washington. Born, born, raised, uh, and still live here. Um, I actually, my wife and I purchased the house that uh, I grew up in off my folks when they retired and downsized. So I'm like the reigning senior in my neighborhood here in Seattle. And uh, yeah, it's a place that is, Seattle's an exciting city. It's a boom town, as I'm sure most people have heard about all the tech stuff happening here, but it's also changing so rapidly that um, there's a lot of upheaval with our local culture. And um, as a Seattle-based writer, uh, I wanted to write something that uh, looked at, at the culture of Seattle, kind of the grittier side of Seattle, you know, as a former port town, it's still a port town, but oh, yeah. it used to drive much more of our local economy and, you know, logging area. And Seattle wasn't always a town that primarily produced software and had the, uh, you know, highest degree of, or the highest percentage of postgraduate degrees, um, you know, of, of uh, any urban, uh, American urban population. It was a, more of a rough and tumble town, or at least yeah. used to have a lot more class diversity. And so, I wanted my book Lake City uh, takes place in 2001, sort of the uh, right around the, the first dot com boom or the tail end of the first dot com boom, and when Seattle was on its trajectory to becoming what it is today, uh, but uh, not quite there. And looking at, at Lake City, the neighborhood in North Seattle that uh, had been a bit left behind by all the growing affluence elsewhere, and so at once it's a um, story about Seattle and about the culture here, but I think that it applies to all of the uh, major cities in America that are, that are, you know, in the Pacific Northwest and beyond that are, that are experiencing a lot of change and gentrification and homogenization uh, around, uh, around just the, the, basically the, the booming or growing economy in, the, in our in our bigger cities. So. I love it. I love it because, you know, my, you don't know this, but my listeners will know this. I come from, I'm a Pacific Northwest native as well. 
And mm-hmm. um, I often tell people, don't talk on my podcast about how wonderful this Pacific Northwest is, <laughs> you know, right? Because <laughs> want to keep those houses. more and more people to come. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, you're one of the lucky ones that probably managed to get a decent house price because of relatives, I would hope. <laughs> but, um, well, yeah, I mean, my, my parents it was like the only, was really the only asset they had. So it wasn't like they could give us a fire sale price, but yeah. just the fact that it didn't go out on the, um, out on the open market, there were all the, there were all these bidding wars on houses and we didn't yeah. uh, use real estate agents. So, which yeah. is kind of a precarious thing because you could also blow up your relationship with your family by oh, not having a, yeah, uh, sure. an agent, but but we, we fortunately still all love and like each other. So we came out the well, other end. Okay. But uh, I think that's so yeah. great though, that you got to keep the house that you grew up into. And I think that's, yeah. there's a lot of value in that. Um, so yes, for sure. My roots are a little bit, my husband's roots. So I, I claim them as mine. We've been together for 25 years, so I can claim them as mine too. Um, his roots are in the gritty, um, uh, world of rock and roll in Seattle way before grunge, right? Oh, cool. Way before, mm-hmm. like we're talking, <laughs> you know, and then the grunge hit and everything yeah. changed, right? And everybody thought Seattle was like the greatest place to come to for music. And we're like, no, you don't want to come here. <laughs> so, um, yeah. But, but yeah, no, indeed. Well, so I like your perspective of what you're, you're writing on. We're going to dive a lot deeper into that actual book, but I, I want to know more about you. And also we're going to talk about the writing process because your mm-hmm. day job prior to this book, if I remember from reading right, you, you are an author. You were a travel author, correct? That was like your day job. Yeah. Yeah. So I was a travel writer coming up through much of my twenties. Um, I actually studied, I I didn't study writing so much as I studied languages when I was younger. I studied Spanish from the time that I was 12 and um, I started studying Portuguese then. And uh, when I I, I was fortunate in my early 20s to um, do a bunch of traveling and started writing like phrase books. And I Uh just kind of stumbled into that. And um, which is, uh, you know, it was a stepping stone. I, I, I mean, it wasn't, prose writing uh but it was i started to learn about the publishing industry a little bit and that gave me a foot into becoming more of a uh, travel writer and uh, i worked for lonely planet for a number of years did some magazine newspaper writing uh worked for rough guides uh more as an editor that was kind of briefly um but uh it, it was it was a great experience it was a hard experience so sometimes in retrospect say uh, the, the travel writing was more of a lifestyle than a career because mm-hmm. uh, frequently come back for come back from project and debt rather than you know it's, it's, <laughs> it's charming because you're getting the byline the first the first few projects and you're like oh man this is this is my career um, and uh, so it takes all the so fun out I, of traveling you know, doesn't it <laughs> yeah yeah that's um, I mean well any you know that's always the risk you run when you turn anything pleasurable into uh, into work so it's uh uh but um yeah i you know there are people who uh who've made it work over time i i lasted a while but my i started to set my sights on um longer form projects and um was always interested in writing books specifically writing um novels um but i didn't really know the full path and how to get there and so my first book uh came out in 2008 mm-hmm. i was originally writing it as a novel and i had a sort of fortunate um moment where I, a, a new york times journalist got in touch with me 
and said, Hey, I heard you're writing a, a book about, about, um, you know, the realities of being a travel writer, your experience as a travel writer. And uh, I was like, yeah, was, um, you know, I'm just two chapters into it at the time. <laughs> and, uh, you know, just start, just starting it off. But I told some people about it who had uh-huh. happened to know this writer. And I thought I did this interview from an, in- I was traveling. I did it from an internet cafe in, in the Hague in the Netherlands. Uh-huh. Um, and I uh, thought, okay, that's cool. Uh, you know, I'm going to get quoted in a, in a New York Times article. Um, that should be should be uh, good for you know good for uh, a little bit of moving this this book project forward. Mm-hmm. Anyways, when it came out, it was on the cover section of the Sunday Styles. Oh, uh, or the cover page of the Sunday Styles section. It had a picture of me, and I was like in the lead of the article. And, you could have um, set so, that one up any better. <laughs> yeah, but but then it was like being shot out of a cannon. Though. Yeah, so the, what happened the was, was a couple was days later. <laughs> well, and I had an agent, and then the agent was like, you know, and 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 everybody was like, um, you know, this should be nonfiction, mm-hmm. and you need to reposition this and this, mm-hmm. you know, and 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 um, so it was it was cool it was cool that it all happened and and I and I feel fortunate and thankful that it happened but it was also it got into the commercial process very quickly and I did lose a little or quite a bit of creative control and I think that that's just like in any sort of business and what I've compared it to uh, is like it, it could be you say that you wanted to open a bakery and before you had ever baked or sold a loaf of you were practicing you know your recipes and before you've ever sold a loaf of bread uh some deep pocketed investors say hey we'd like to invest in your bakery mm-hmm. well inevitably you know you're going to you know there are other cooks in the kitchen no no pun intended mm-hmm. um and 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 just you lose absolute creative yep. control over it and yeah. and and so this project i was it, 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 it went a bit and there was a big controversy when it came out too because Ooh, but controversy is it, good for selling right not so much for your it, mental it, sanity <laughs> good good insight so yes it was like and you know and the publisher was kind of like yeah run with it and yep. i'm like Ugh, you know and, and i was also worried that i was keeping an eye on the long term of my career too yeah. just because yeah. it was about the controversy um it was tied in with a number of other things uh, but but it was really about um, are are they really sending right travel writers to all these locations oh, that they I've that are being covered? Mm-hmm. I've heard of this. Yeah, it was pretty. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was pretty big. I was like verbally abused on Fox and Friends mm-hmm. by by Steve Ducey and like mm-hmm. that. I mean, it was yeah. national. It was yeah. national stuff. I, um, I remember this because I had a friend that was trying to break into travel writing at the time. And I'm like, you've mm-hmm. never left our state. How can you do that? Is, <laughs> you know, and he kind of clued me into that. I'm like, yeah. okay, I don't want to hear anymore because as a writer, I just have a hard time believing that somebody could do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, there was a lot of, I mean, a lot of stuff that was like not based on anything I'd actually said or done. It was just, yeah. it was a lesson in, in um the the social media blog echo yeah. echo chamber too uh, mm-hmm. but um long story short that that controversy deflated um you know but and when i came out the other side of it i was like man i want to focus on writing a novel on my own terms uh whether all publicity is good publicity or not mm-hmm. i want to just take my time and do something that when you know, when I'm on my deathbed, I can look back and say, I at least did one project that was, you know, my pure vision for something. 
Don't. And um, so it took me it took me ten years essentially from from that book to this one coming out where I went back to the drawing board. I spent a lot of time studying, reading books, studying, studying fiction and, um, you know, and then just wrote it one foot in front of the other. I also have a seven-year-old and a four-year-old. Yeah. So over that last 10 year period, a lot of other stuff has happened yeah, too. And, person. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. but, but, um, you know, I'm also kind of an, an insomniac. So after my wife and kids go to bed, I'll go down and write for, uh, that's like my, my special power. That's also a curse, right? Is that, yeah. uh, if you don't sleep, you can, you can put it to good, you can put it to good use if you, yep. uh, yep. if you're willing to, uh, just battle through. Yep. But, um, yeah. So long story short. It's an absolutely great story because it, it makes me think of one really big point. And I, I've interviewed a lot of authors and um, many of them, you know, they're starting out, they're self-published or they might have a publishing contract, but you know, everybody, everybody dreams about that moment when somebody comes to them and says, Hey, I hear you're writing something. Let's work on it together. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. and it's the idea of be careful what you wish for almost because like you said, you lose some creative control. And the only reason why I have insight in this is because like I said before, my husband is in the music industry and I know the Mm -hmm. power of the creative when everybody's around work, you know, in the music, in a band, they're working on the songs creatively and it's very, very powerful. But as soon as everybody else comes in and wants a piece of that pie, it can change the the whole nature of everything. So, so definitely. Yeah. I think that, I think that's a great comparison and that it is very much like the music industry. And people are more familiar with that story about, Oh, well, music industry is dirty and you know, and they're going to, they're going to make your band dress differently and they're going to, you know, change the album cover and they're going to kick out the, the guitarist and replace them with somebody younger or something like that. But, um, but, 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 you know, that, I I think it it holds true in, um, across creative fields and you're, you're marrying, you're marrying art and commerce. And, Mm -hmm. um, that's, that's a tricky process. And, and you're right too. It's like people are waiting for the, the cavalry to come and, you know, I have a great idea and somebody, somebody is going to swoop in and, and take me to the next level. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, there's something to be said for, for uh, you know, the longer that you can spend controlling that process yourself and, and, and forming your idea and owning it. And I mm-hmm. would also argue that, that, uh, you know, I, I have, I, I, in, in the 10 years, I also, I used to be just a, a full-time freelance writer. Mm-hmm. I built up a, a little company where I do video production now too. Mm-hmm. And having having that day job essentially, mm-hmm. I have found to be a greatly liberating thing. Mm-hmm. Where some people are like, "Oh, you know, day job's going to take away from my creative bandwidth," mm-hmm. and it does. But mm-hmm. it also liberates you to not hang your, you know, your rent or your mortgage yeah. or your general yeah. well-being on what you're creating. So that has given me a lot more freedom to do things on my own terms. Mm-hmm. And then also it's given me a bit more, so my book came out uh, in, you know, in January and uh, it's, it, it's just the reality of, of publishing is also that in, until a uh, project has some, some momentum on it, and, you mm-hmm. know, unless you're the, that small percentage that, that, that is like a real hype uh, debut coming out that, that everybody, you know, that's getting coverage and all the, 
the you know a lot of a lot of earned media coverage Mm -hmm. um you you have to get it moving yourself um but but there's something to be said for especially in the social media era having a little bit of um additional budget to put towards like creating some you know doing some paid promo doing yep, some yep. some social media ads that yep. sort of stuff makes yep. it makes a difference so. well i love i appreciate so much that you talk about you know the the span between your first book to your fiction book that we're going to we're going to let you read from yeah. when we talk about that because it was 10 years because um you don't know my story. I'm working on my first historical fiction novel and it is painfully slow. I'll tell you because mm-hmm. I do have that full-time job. And then I started a podcast a year ago with authors mm-hmm. and that takes up a lot of the time. And I've been very committed to finding out the industry through other authors, thus the podcast. Yep. And then I'm working on each chapter. I'm rewriting now the chapters with a really strong writer's group. They're all fantastic. Three mm-hmm. or two of them are published, mm-hmm. three are editors from the newspaper. So I feel really good about mm-hmm. their input. And and I, I'm I'm encouraged by what you're saying about having that day job to keep you balanced because there are days where I've worked full time all in my day job, which I'm an I'm a faculty member for a students and um, so I get mm-hmm. drained in that capacity and then I do a podcast mm-hmm. recording and then it's like I gotta write you know and I'm just like mm-hmm. I gotta get this book out it's never gonna come out but here's the thing is if you have just open free time in front of you you could you know you'd be a lot more upset with yourself or more frustrated if you spent the you know some days like the writing just isn't happening yeah or you have a frustrating day or the other thing is like i finished the first draft of this book in 2016 i went out to 17 i got rejected or no response from 17 different agents uh uh first and so but 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 i got feedback from most of those agents and and i you know incorporated some of that feedback and and the book became stronger and stronger so it took me another year to year and a half to sell it and if i were completely depending on selling that book to you know uh uh, to get to get ahead i would have gone crazy during that period but um i was able to be methodical about it and quite honestly that extra time made the book a much better book because i incorporated this feedback i took more passes at it and taking i mean just the, the book world is really slow um and i would argue that taking an extra year on something never hurts yeah, um, maybe, I, maybe, I, maybe never hurts isn't fair. I'm a, <laughs> I'm embracing that. I I'm gonna embrace that today too. But I've been I'm embracing the slow process for me because I do listen. I do talk with a lot of authors. A lot of them are self published, and I know quite a few that pump out book after book after book. And I'm like, you know, I read a few little bit of it. And I'm like, I don't want to just pump out books. I want to pump out a great mm-hmm. novel. I want to pump out yep, anything yep. that I write won't be pumped out because I'm going to take the time <laughs> to where it will withstand, you know, longevity, yeah. right? It's not just, it's yeah. not just an income. My whole goal was to do it for towards retirement. So I have a good 25 years of work left in me with my regular job. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know, I do want to be working on writing during this process of really thinking about my retirement goals and then go into the sunset with a few books under my belt already published so then I can continue to write into retirement. And that was kind of the whole goal. Mm-hmm. So, so I love yeah. it. I love it. It's, it's yeah. Great. Well, you know, everybody, everybody has a different style and mm-hmm. my, uh, you know, 
or approach, I should, I should say, toward writing. And, and I am, you know, more in line with you. Some people, um, you know, I know, I know some, some very good writers who are just like, they compulsively have to write all the time. So it's mm-hmm. the second that one project is done or is even off the editor, they're starting something new and starting something mm-hmm. new. I'm, I'm a bit slower and more methodical. And I agree yeah. that like, I, there, there's so much emotional investment time investment in the book yeah. i would rather spend more time and get it as good as i can yeah. rather than than um just trying to get it out the door yeah um, well let's talk just a but, little uh, bit yeah. um i like to have the um authors that that are on the podcast kind of share just kind of briefly their writing process because i do have a lot of aspiring authors that haven't published yet i'm bringing on a lot of published published authors from independent and from traditional publishing and everybody has a different process so i think it's good for us to hear kind of your process you know you start with your yeah. idea to to getting it in the hands of readers what's your process or how yeah. has your process been so, this book <laughs> i spent a lot of time in my head you know early on and i think um you know, it, it, every project that I've done so far, I've kind of had the idea and then put it down a little bit. It's not like it, you know, you, you have a, the, the the seed of an idea at first, but it doesn't just like suddenly all reveal itself. It's like there's a seed of an idea and then I'm doing other stuff. And then some months or years later, um, I'll have another idea and kind of marry it with you know, it'll be an it'll be an idea that that evolves or grows this other thing that was coming back to her in my mind, or maybe that I have a couple of pages on. Um, so it's, it's it's a process, and then I and then I think and think and think and 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 you know daydream about it and start to to write stuff down on paper. So I'm I'm on a, I'm working on a new novel right now, and mm-hmm. <laughs> this process is pretty similar to my last one so far. I'm sure it'll evolve a little bit, but basically, then what I start to do is I want to definitely. I'm not, it's, it's seductive to just jump into the writing and do uh-huh. the writing. Uh-huh. Um, but, but I, I, you know, I've learned the hard way about, uh, painting, um, uh, and, and, um, painting myself into a corner. Uh-huh. And, um, so, so I want to know at least a basic sense of what the end is going to be. And yeah. how that ties to the beginning, right? Yep. And then yep. you still have the, the whole open middle and the, the open area in the middle. And so as I'm figuring all the rest of that out, I will then, you know, I just said it's very seductive to jump into the writing. Uh-huh. I don't want to paint myself in the corner. On the flip side, I think that you can run into trouble by spending too much time <laughs> planning and researching exactly. and not starting to write. So yeah. I, 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 I attempt to achieve a balance by working on the first 40 pages or so. It's essentially like my first act. Um, and uh, I'm a pretty structured writer. So uh, uh, so I'll, I'll get off on, on the first 40 or so pages, get off and moving. And... Um, essentially try to really find the voices of the main characters mm-hmm. and the the tone. But meanwhile, you know, I'm dabbling in that. And that's the point I'm at right now. Like I'm dabbling in some writing, but I'm really still spending a lot of time thinking about big picture and trying yeah. to figure out what's happening more in the middle of the book and filling in those gaps. And so my last book ended up all on three by five cards. Not, oh. not a lot of detail in each scene, yeah. but scene, but it was like, Here's essentially the 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 plot, the main plot point in, mm-hmm. in the scene, um, up on a big corkboard in my studio, 
Um, and, uh, I just work through it step by step. Uh, it doesn't exactly make it a paint by the numbers thing, but you at least have uh, a path to follow. And I was open-minded to, to evolve and change those things. Um, this, this book now, I don't know that I'm going to get it quite as dialed as that. I might leave it a little bit looser. I don't know. I'm, I'm, it's maybe, it's maybe I'm getting lazier, but I'm trying to convince <laughs> myself that it's because I'm just experimenting with a slightly different yeah, approach. Keeping it fresh. But, um, <laughs> yeah. 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 So, but, 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 you know, I, I want to get that, that first act essentially, that first mm-hmm. act pretty polished. And then, um, and then, have have the rest of it structured out and then I'll I'll launch and I'll launch into the rest. Yeah. Gotcha. Uh, I think it's so fascinating because I've talked to a lot of authors and I originally started out with this book with just the idea in my head first, but I knew what the ending was going to be because the ending was a start of a second book. And so I was like, hmm, but I, I didn't have all those pieces plotted out very well. And so as I started to write, mm-hmm. I got lost. I was like, how am yeah, I going to that end? <laughs> you know, it's like yeah. a lot of things that can happen <laughs> in between. True. But, you know, I, I know other writers who swear by that process that you have to get lost and you have to, mm-hmm. um, you know, and that's how the book reveals itself to you and the characters talk to you. And you got to go back then and cut 150 pages, but it's not all lost because yeah, that yeah. stuff resurfaces elsewhere and um, you know I, I can i can understand that but i yeah. i'm also I, i'm also feel like um i would burst into tears or want to run into traffic if i were yeah. cutting 150 I, pages I, I, and I, I've, I've been too. there before so. yeah yeah i'm like if i write that much and then not use all of it i just may never come back to this because i love research so that's why i'm more drawn to the historical fiction in the sense that my mm-hmm. background's a library science as a librarian oh, and cool. so i cool. love research so i could spend years on researching this entire topic and everything about it and never really write so i have to give myself limits because otherwise the that's all I would do, you know, and then I'd be saying, yeah, right. yeah, but I'm not. So, so anyway, so awesome. Fascinating. So let's talk about Lake city. So, and I'm going to set you up here, Thomas, to do some reading because our listeners love to hear the authors read. So, and I Great. usually go quiet during that point, that part when you're reading. So Thomas, share with us what you want to, as far as the characters, the background, set the stage without giving us way too much. Right. Cause we want people to actually find your book and get it as well. <laughs> of course. So, okay, uh, so so Lake, Lake City Lake City is the um, story of a so first off Lake City itself is again is a neighborhood in Seattle, mm-hmm. but uh, Lake City is the story of essentially an ambitious loser who is contracted by a wealthy adoptive couple to seduce and eventually sabotage a troubled birth mom from his neighborhood. And he's trying to do the right thing, he thinks, if he could only figure out what the right thing actually was. And uh, all in the chance of you know trying to hope to get this life back that he believes that he deserves because he had, uh, up until recently, he's, he's recently divorced and he's trying to get back to his ex-wife and her, her trust fund. So he's, in, in the opening of the book, he's just recently, 9-11 has just happened. Uh-huh. Uh, he's just, just recently separated and has washed up, come flamed out of his PhD program in New York, washed up back in, in, in Seattle on his mom's couch, and is uh, you know with about twenty dollars to his name, 
and is feeling really sorry for himself. And so he's not only taken an emotional kick down, if you will, but he's also done some class backsliding. And I, I very much set out to write a book about class, uh-huh. class in, in a Pacific Northwest city. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, I was looking at, at, at social mobility and he ends up in the situation between this more affluent family and uh, a woman from his neighborhood who has essentially never, never, never caught a break in her life. And, uh, and he's sort of the interloper between, between these two worlds as somebody who can, can play both sides and has, uh, uh, been it inhabited both worlds. Um, but, uh, so should I, should I read a yeah, little bit from the beginning? Go ahead read and when yeah. you're done, I'll take us out of the podcast. Okay. Very nice. Um, so this, this is uh, introducing Lane early on here. Uh, Lane dedicates the next weeks to crying, drinking, and sleeping as many hours as possible in his mom's TV room, the same room where she hoards newspaper coupon inserts in the NFL mug she won playing bingo at the Tulalip, which is a reservation with a casino nearby here, uh, the same room where he lived as a kid, the room where he washed up on and off throughout college. But this time, things aren't as cool, which is Lane's Seattle way of saying completely fucking terrible. He surprises himself by how fast he can put back a $20 uh, bottle of shoplifted Pinot Noir from a 16-ounce ceramic Seahawks mug. As sobriety is not an option, he soon descends into his mom's stash of Carla Rossi jokes she keeps inside the long, broken dishwasher and her boyfriend's mother load of Rainier Tallboys in a yellowed foam cooler out in the garage. That loser's boning my mom, Lane just to himself and Lane's right the boyfriend never says a word about the beers dude even goes out and buys more when the supply runs low some days or weeks into this Lane gives in and starts trying to call her the her who matters back in New York Mia should have called him first that's the least she could do but she hasn't nobody's called except for Lonnie the top weed dealer in Lane's high school from about 92 to 93 and everybody knows that call doesn't count the problem with contacting Mia is that the house phone can't make outgoing calls beyond 206 and the unspeakable 425, 253, and 360 area codes. No offense to anybody with those codes. Uh, but Lane needs 212s and 917, 646s, even a 347 and our 718 might do. He coaxes, complains, and breaks down to his mom, but she won't upgrade her service. She wants to help, but keeps repeating some story about one of her various deadbeat ex-boyfriends, his penchant for 976 chat lines and the resulting issues with the phone company. Lane resolves to do what any self-respecting 27-year-old man who spent weeks using alcoholic blunt force trauma to play whack-a-mole with his every emotion while watching an endless stream of Christmas TV specials and post-9-11 coverage would do. He masturbates. A few times, to clear his head, and then he starts calling Nia. Collect. Every four hours. That's a schedule he sets for himself, and he has his eye on the VCR digital clock right up until the last minute clicks over, and the receiver is in his hand, and he's asking the operator to put through the call. He can't be sure if it's the second or third day of calling that Mia accepts the charges. Don't you think we need some time, she asks. Lane recognizes her father's coaching in this new assertive stance. Time, Lane's voice bends. Time without talking. Time to think. 
I do nothing but think. Think about us. Think about how to not think about us, he says. He wants to scream the times easy when she's the one in their apartment in Gramercy Park leading the life he was meant to lead, that they were meant to lead together. How would she feel about time if she were sipping off his mom's $8 jugs of room temperature Chablis right down the road from Rick's strip club discount gun sales in a 60-block corridor of used car dealerships? We have a lot to figure out, Mia sounds distant. Scripted. You're not figuring out anything, he fires back as he assumes the fetal position on his side on the floor. You're holding a pillow over the face of our marriage. Whether she thinks she needs time or not, and whether her father has convinced her that Lane is a parasite or not, Lane knows he is going to find a way to get back to New York, get back on his feet, and prove that they are meant to be together. Absolutely love it. He is like the classic loser. <laughs> yes. Uh, fantastic. It, it, it gets worse. <laughs> oh, oh I, I can imagine, but no, I love it. So listeners, if you want to read a book that's placed in one of my favorite cities, Seattle, but not the Seattle you might know, <laughs> definitely look up Thomas's book. You'll find him on our show notes and um, follow him. And you're on um you're on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, but you prefer Instagram and, and Facebook, right, Thomas? Yeah, primarily Instagram and Facebook, or um, if anybody goes to lakecitybook.com, you can hit me up uh, through my site, too. Yep, 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 through site. Really great site, too. And you just came off of like a two-day two book tour thing, right? So you're out and about quite a bit. Well, yeah, I've been actually, I've been on, on tour on and off for almost two months now. I had a, I had a double header on uh, Sunday, but I'm... I'm done with the, the the bulk of the tour now. We'll see if anything else uh, comes up. But for right now, I'm gonna plan to 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 slow down and start to get back to writing a bit more. That's I love the, it. That's the plan. So yeah, always well, more to do, right? That's right. Well, when your next book's out, let us know. We'll bring you back on. You can share it with us and the listeners. Yes. This one said it a, a Cub Scout trip gone wrong. So oh. <laughs> mom, mom, mom and son on a uh, on a uh, yeah. Oh, weekend so. Cub Scout Jamboree. Okay, so. I'm looking forward <laughs> to that one. That sounds great. So Thomas, we'll have you back. <laughs> so thanks so Thank much. Thank you so much. Thanks for being on the show, Thomas. We'll talk to you later. I really appreciate it. Have a great day and good luck with your writing. Everybody Thanks. out there too. Thank you for listening to the podcast. We hope you enjoyed the episode as much as we did. Follow us on social media and sign up for our newsletter where you can be entered automatically each month to win a signed free copy of a book from an author that's appeared on the podcast. You can find out more at our website, www.squishpin.com. And finally, if you're an author in the Pacific Northwest and you would like to appear on the show, you can find out more on our website. So until next week, I hope you enjoy the journey. This is Vicki J. Carter signing off.